Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day of life where Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading. We're catching up a little bit on 1 Peter chapter 3. Here goes. 1 Peter chapter 3. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your respectful and holy behavior. Do not let your beauty be something outward, such as braided hair or wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, let your beauty be the hidden person of your heart, the lasting beauty of a quiet and gentle spirit which is precious in God's sight. In fact, this is also how the holy women of the past who put their hope in God made themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is good and do not fear anything that is intimidating. Husbands, in the same way, continue to live with your wives with the knowledge that, as the wife, she is the weaker vessel. Also, continue to accord them honor as fellow heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Show sympathy, brotherly love, compassion, and humility. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Instead, speak a blessing, because you were called for the purpose of inheriting a blessing. Indeed, let the one who wants to love life and to see good days keep his tongue from evil and his lips from saying anything deceitful. Let him turn from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their requests. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you should happen to suffer because of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of what they fear, and do not be troubled. But regard the Lord, the Christ, as holy in your own hearts. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. But speak with gentleness and respect, while maintaining a clear conscience, so that those who attack your good way of life in Christ may be put to shame, because they slandered you as evildoers. Indeed, it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil, because Christ also suffered once for sins in our place, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in flesh, but was made alive in spirit, in which he also went and made an announcement to the spirits in prison. These spirits disobeyed long ago when God's patience was waiting in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In this ark a few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. And corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, but a guarantee of a good conscience before God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He went to heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. This is the word of our God. For the discussion on 1 Peter 1 and 1 Peter 2, you will have to go back to episode 1125 for a joint discussion that was a replay from last year. And so we begin and we continue with 1 Peter chapter 3, talking about this concept of submission. And if you're listening to podcasts, chances are that statistically you listen to between 7 and 13 other podcasts, or 7 and 13 podcasts total. That's kind of the average, depending on who you ask. You're either subscribed to somewhere around 7 or maybe as many as 13 podcasts. And I know for me personally, in my own podcast app, there's probably about 30 or 40 that I'm subscribed to, but only about half a dozen that I listen to regularly. 
And in one of those other podcasts that I listened to somewhat regularly, it was kind of a secular management kind of business business style podcast. And the, the speaker, the host, said that compliance can be compelled, but commitment cannot. And I think that's a very good way of describing exactly what Peter is describing here in on all of First Peter, and also even in in First Peter chapter three, when he talks about this concept of submission that Pastor Zarling brought out so beautifully and so so nicely, and very making a very fine and distinct point in the Thirsty Podcast episode this past this past Saturday, when he said um, that submission is not the same as obedience. And submission is not the same as obedience. As I'm walking along with our with our youngest child, um, hoping that he falls asleep, walking through our neighborhood, and I heard Pastor Zarling say that in the Thirsty podcast, and that same quote came back to my mind: that compliance can be compelled, but commitment cannot. And isn't that the story of our Christian life? Isn't that the story of all the Old Testament prophets, all the minor prophets, which we are discussing at length, except for Zechariah this year, (laughs) that we are discussing pretty much all of them. And that concept that compliance can be compelled, but commitment cannot. That God does not want simple, mere outward compliance because that is simply a fruit of fear, a fruit of the law, the result of, of fearfulness, the result of being coerced into action, compliance, compliance of when you're driving down the highway and you see the state patrol officer sitting in the median and all of a sudden you double check or triple check the speedometer and sure enough, you're only going three over and you make sure to keep it there. Compliance can be compelled but commitment cannot. Because mere compliance isn't life. Mere compliance isn't really living. There is nothing really lively to it. It's simply waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for the punishment to come, and trying to live my life in such a way that I'm not the little, the nail that gets sticking up a little bit too far and gets hammered down. Compliance can be compelled, commitment cannot. And that's what God talks about when he talks about here in First Peter, talking about our relationship with the government, talking about the relationship within the Christian home, talking about the relationship even within a partially Christian home, as well as the relationship that Jesus had as he stood trial before Pontius Pilate. That the time of our life now is the time when he creates that commitment within our own heart. When he is the one who resurrected us through the waters of holy baptism, when he is the one who has given us new life, when he is the one who has made us members of his own body, when he is the one who has brought us into the relationships in which we now live and exist and move and live and have our being, I'm kind of repeating myself there perhaps, because compliance can be compelled, but God doesn't want just outward compliance. He wants your heart. He wants commitment. And so Peter takes great pains and great um, great patience to describe, even, yes, from his own experience, I'm sure, as, as the Thirsty Podcast mentioned this past Saturday, if you haven't had a chance to listen, go check that out, that Peter, from his own experience, speaks as a pastor who also knows family life from the inside out. He knows what it's like to be married and to, and perhaps even to raise children. 
He's not speaking as some would dismiss Paul, even though Paul speaks with that same authority as the one who has been given the very words of God. Some might dismiss him and say, but Paul, Paul was never married. Peter was. And so when Peter talks about compliance and commitment, he reiterates for us that dear Christian, dear friend, God isn't interested in forcing some outward obedience, some outward compliance, that he wants your commitment. He wants a heartfelt um, self-watching and self-awareness, a heartfelt discipline, self-discipline of the sinful flesh and the specific temptations that man and woman have within a marriage, where the man would perhaps have the specific temptation to say, you know, it's not my problem. I don't want to do that right now. I just want to go do something else. The man, exactly like Adam from our reading this past Sunday, standing there silent, and the woman saying, step aside and let me take care of things, because if a woman were in charge, then things would really happen. I think I've discussed that before in, in respect to uh, 2 Corinthians 6 or 7 or 8. Maybe I'll publish that as a replay episode. Just check your podcast feed a little bit later today. And as we, as we see that truth, that compliance can be compelled, but commitment cannot, Peter zooms out a little bit more and he says, dear friends, don't be afraid. When you've got this commitment to Jesus, when you've got this spirit-wrought faith that he has given to you, that he has entrusted to you, that he has nurtured within you, then that is going to color everything that you do in life. Every action that you take, every word that you speak is going to be colored. And in the context of this God-given commitment to serving our Lord, of bowing before him and saying, how can I glorify you in my relation to other people? And hopefully that gives us a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of a glimpse to step aside from the sinful flesh and all of its objections for just the barest, mom the barest moment to say, Say, here is the new life that you have to live in this undying, God-given commitment to say, how can I glorify him through the design that he has created, through the place in which he has placed me in this life, through the specific responsibilities of my vocation and the particular blessings that are unique to this vocation? How can I give glory to God in the life that I live and in my relationship to other people? How can I demonstrate my commitment to Christ and my commitment to a godly relationship as he designed it with the other people around me? And that, that obviously spills over into our relationship with the government and the, the submission that we have toward them, that commitment to serve our Lord as, as seen in the hand of the government. That spills over also especially in the marriage relationship, to serve one's own spouse as one would serve Jesus. And finally, Peter says, you know what, if this is, if this is going to be causing any trouble for you, then look one more at Jesus. Verse 18, Christ also suffered once for our sins in our place, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. When he talks about this, Peter recognizes that there may be and probably will be a time and a place when you will have to suffer for your faith. Maybe it's something overt, maybe it's something more subtle, but if you're not seeing it, well, give thanks to God for that and take a moment to pray that he would not let you fall into arrogance and into a false sense of security that everything is okay because culturally and externally everything looks fine. 
And if you have experienced, or if one day you will experience that sort of persecution for the faith, then thank God for that as well, that he has seen fit to continue to purify you, to sanctify you, to set you apart and make you holy, to provide an opportunity for you to crucify your own sinful flesh with all of its selfish desires, to provide an opportunity for you to have that internal conversation, whose am I? To whom do I belong? And what am I really? I am a Christian. That is the commitment that we see. That is the commitment that God has created within you. And it's only in this relationship of submission in the various occupations and vocations that God has given to us. It's only in this relationship of submission that we see the commitment of the Christian come through. So as you go about your day, just take a moment to take stock of the different hats that you wear. Are you a mother or a father? Are you a parent or a child? Um, are you a sibling, a, a nephew or a niece? Are there other older people in your life that you watch out for and younger people who look up to you? Are you a church member? Are you a visible or involved member of the community? Are you employed or an employer or perhaps retired? What are the different hats that you wear? And for each of those, what would it look like to demonstrate a clear-eyed commitment to our Lord in the relationships that we have in each of those areas? Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raise with Jesus podcast. God bless your day. And if you haven't listened to 1 Peter 1 and 2, check out episode 1125. The Thirsty podcast was 1133 followed by the replay of Christ's Descent into Hell in 1135. And finally, one sincere note of thanks for spending a few moments with us today. God bless your day.